This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Time once again for the Seattle Mariners baseball podcast. We affectionately call it Mariners Pod. Gary Hill, Eric Goldsmith here. Do we call We don't call it Mariners Pod enough. I know. G-Man. It's a better name. Uh, I've thought about many times, like, should I actually name it something? But then I don't, and it's just Mariners Pod, which is— Did you come up with Mariners Official, official Baseball Podcast, or was that just a corporate suit who said that that's what you would call it? No, oh, I'm so that's, sorry. It's so unprofessional. It, that was a—I oh, got to mute my computer. This was— Did you hear that? I did hear that. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's, Cut. I'm, I'm leaving it in. Uh, no, this was a grassroots start. Officially, when I started this, this wasn't even attached to MLB. Like I was hosting it on. Yeah, you were a rogue podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So no, that's that's what I named it, and I haven't changed. All right, fair enough. You know, maybe we're gonna get to episode one thousand. Let's let's use the podcast as a platform to get a grassroots effort to go to Mariners Pod. Okay. Mariners pod. Change. Yeah, that's, I think that's the kids would be more into it. If it was something else? Yeah, if it was Mariners Pod. If it was Mariners Pod. Okay. Yeah. Just Mariners Pod. Got it. Just Mariners Pod. Yeah, I think so. So what are we talking about on Mariners Pod today? Okay, Gary? before we talk about what we're gonna talk about, let's uh let's throw this out here. We we know what we're doing for our next one, and we are opening up questions. Anything you want to ask us? This is like I'm so desperate. It does, but it's just it's just so sad that that we're it's like asking for love is what we're doing. Uh, but I mean, you are a very interesting person, and oh, I bet Gary. people have some very interesting questions to ask you that they've never they've always wanted to, and now we're sending out the invitation. Mariners Pod at Mariners.com. And I think you, in the right light, also by a certain sector of the population, could be seen as somewhat fairly interesting. Kind of somewhat fairly interesting? Yeah. We're basically asking us, asking you, the listener, to, hey, ask us anything. Would this be like a Reddit AMA? Yeah. Ask us anything. Hey, can Can you give us an example? Uh, I mean, I'm sure a great thing to ask you is what uh, hair care products you use. I mean, that would be a great question to ask you. So pathetic. That'd be. By the way, it looks like you uh you buzzed again. It I looks did. good, man. Yeah, uh, three all the way around. Here's the thing. Uh, I have ordered hair clippers now because doing this with my beard trimmer just it, it's taking too long. So I, clippers are on the way. A when you have, I, I do see a few sure. missed spots, yeah. like minor. No, they're there. Yeah. So, like, okay, so for example, if I were a listener, uh-huh. I would want to know your strangest podcast recording setup that you've ever oh, had. Oh, that'd be a great one. 
That'd be a great one. Yeah. Okay. So it could be it could be uh, related to broadcasting. It could be yeah. related to the road. It could be related to Mariners baseball. Best hotel. Whatever. I mean, this is wide open. Wide open. Wide anything. Open. Oh, wide. Yes. Absolutely anything. Also, before we get to our actual topic today, I uh, want to say thanks to Sander Johnson, who... <laughs> When I look at the emails and all I see in the <laughs> all I see in the subject line is RC dogs, it just it really makes me laugh. And all he, all Sanders says is, "I might be your only fifteen year old listener," which I think is really great. Oh, you may be. Hey, Sander, yeah. that was pre Mariners Pod change. That's right, and we're still hitting that demographic. Yeah. Can I tell you what else, Sander, for being maybe our only fifteen year old? Listener, which I don't know. I, I I think we might have more. Yeah. But Sander, I still appreciate your loyalty. Sander Johnson has just become a spring training name. Oh. Yes. I like Sander, it. Sander, congratulations. That's a great spring training name. Uh-huh. And the Rockies here in the bottom of the eighth inning will send up no Sander Johnson to the plate. And the first pitch to Sander. That's what's going to happen. Have we ever explained this to podcast listeners? I feel this is a safe space to talk about this. Why? Because there aren't enough people listening. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we let people on the inside of. Yeah, some we of the do. Stuff we uh, do. You know, I, I, in recent years, I'll be honest. Maybe I shouldn't admit this because there's some people who would say, like, Aaron, you really shouldn't think this way. As I've become more secure in my long-term employment, I've become more open about my spring training broadcast mentality. <laughs> I love the way you, you put that. That's perfect. But spring training games, like spring training games, speaking of the AMA that we're proposing for next week, like mm -hmm. spring training game questions would be very interesting oh. because calling a spring training game obviously, as you know, as well as I do, Gary, is unlike any other baseball game you'll ever call. Yeah, completely. Because it's not a real baseball game. That's why. So I have a, a, a little online digital notebook, right? Microsoft OneNote. And I have millions of tabs of various notes of various things. And one of them is just simply spring training names. Because inevitably what happens, there's somebody who pinch runs or pinch hits or comes out of the bullpen that you might not see. You might not notice that there's a pinch runner or you might not notice that there's a pinch hitter until a pitch or two in. Or more realistically, you just simply can't find their name on the roster <laughs> because you know what? Their name may not be on the roster. Like fact. That happens even in the big leagues, in spring training. So I have this long list of, some of them are made-up names, uh -huh. but most of them are real people. Like, for example, <laughs> I don't even know. Okay, so 
One of my favorites that I always use each spring whenever <laughs> Shannon is in the booth is Billy Buccio because Shannon once told me that was her ex-boyfriend. <laughs> so whenever I know Shannon is like not talking to somebody and is in the booth, preferably with headsets on, pay attention. I will, yeah. I will always say, and now batting for the Reds here in the seventh inning, it's Billy Buccio. <laughs> it's that's great <laughs> which is very good um so that's a go-to probably my most famous spring training call <laughs> no, exactly. in terms of a made-up name <laughs> is my because very favorite of, because of both the name and how effective he was as a pinch runner uh -huh. is shoe ernie tennessee <laughs> ernie not only stole a bag he scored from second base on a plate the plate and you know he's fast if his name is Tennis Shoe Ernie. Um, okay, there's some other good ones. I mean, I got a long list here, man. Okay, Jabby Callis. Just a great name. Just a great name. Um, where should I go next? Oh, okay. Um, this is a... Okay, when I was in high school and... And like eBay was really hot. Mm. Like I bought a lot of sports trading cards, like football, basketball, baseball cards off of eBay. And I bought a card from a guy in New York named Buddha DeBasio. <laughs> 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 like I got the padded envelope to my home in St. Louis and it said from Buddha DeBasio. And I've never forgotten that name. And every spring training, Buddha DeBasio plays for somebody. You know, what we should do next spring training, we should have a contest. I don't know what I don't know what this contest would be, but the winner gets to slide a name to us that will we use in a spring training broadcast. That would be Oh well I would I would be so I would be over the okay. Part two of our AMA for next week. Uh -huh. Give me names. <laughs> Give me names. I can't have enough names. For real. Yeah. And the pride that you, the listener, will feel when, because you obviously listen late in games and spring training, <laughs> when, you, when you hear me, me of all people, me say your fake name or real name, but fake in our situation. Uh -huh. I mean, you'll feel that is winning the lottery. Yeah. That'd be great. You, Gary, you, of, of all my names, you gave me the best name. The best one? Yeah, I really think you gave me the best name. I think it was you. I don't know. Pretty sure. I, I don't know. I have no idea. You didn't give me Velvet? Oh. <laughs> that is the best one. <laughs> On my list is a name, and this is a... Real person, a real person, who has a real, imp like, important job uh -huh. in athletics. Uh -huh. That's right. And her, <laughs> and her name, if we can get an email from this person, her name is Velvet Milkman, and she is in the athletic department at Murray State University. Go Racers! Coach, I have to look again. It's been a while. Yes. 
Velvet Milkman. If this can if this can be like a seven degrees of seven bacon thing of Kevin Bacon, not yeah. seven bacon, where somebody listening knows somebody who knows somebody, so forth and so on, who knows Velvet Milkman and can tell Velvet to email Mariner's Pod. Mariner's, Mariner's Pod at Mariner's.com. Yeah, that's right. We'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> I don't know what we'll talk about. And your name. We'll your just name. talk about your name and your journey point. to Murray State. I've actually been on Murray State campus. So, really? you know. That's it? To watch, to watch a football game wow. many years ago. Wow. That's random. It is very random. So, okay. I, I don't know how we got here, but that's what we've been doing lately. Is how did we get here? Yeah, how did we get here? That's right. Okay. So next week, ask us anything. Also supply us with names. fake names. Marinerspot at Marinerspot.com. Should we Can't get into our up. actual topic that we we're planning on today? I mean, we could go spring oh. training games forever, but. <laughs> I like this one. <laughs> Shorty McGee. <laughs> <laughs> Shorty McGee? That's on your list? Anything McGee. I mean, for obvious reasons, like anything McGee, and I can't hold it together. <laughs> and I always call my wife, you know her, Heather. I always call my wife Shorty because she's like, she's not that short, but she's like 5'4". Uh-huh. But I always call her Shorty. And I thought, why not combine my favorite last name with my favorite nickname for my wife? And make it Shorty McGee. Yeah, except when Shorty McGee's running second, you can't hold it. You can't break out laughter. You know, the tough thing, too, is like, I don't know if you were there when this happened. I said, like, you know, uh, Wonder Mounds. You know, I said some name like that. And that he was pinch running uh-huh. and like Rick, Rick was like wanting to keep up with his scorebook. <laughs> He's a pro. Right. And so he like looks to the roster that we have taped up on the wall and he's like scanning with his finger and he doesn't see it. And he looks to me and he's like, gives me the, the shrugging shoulder emoji look, you know, uh-huh. and he's like shaking his head, like really <laughs> like confused and panicked. And I'm like trying to give him a look yeah. like, Hey, <laughs> Just play along. <laughs> and then, oh, okay. Okay, you're just an idiot. Bugsy Karochi. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Heine Manouche, obviously. I haven't actually. Oh, you know the the, the real name. We got to let the, is the national anthem. Oh, we're going to get Do into we that. Dare? Do we dare? I don't know. It's a pretty closely guarded secret. Yeah, but I, I you know, it is. But A, we've been doing it for a long time. The trick is, though, it doesn't come up all that often. Right. We're doing it a long time, and I feel like people who listen to this are like in the inner circle. Yeah, that's that's why I feel like this is a safe space. That's what I mean. This is so the Mariners have, stuff. The, the, the Mariners have a wonderful employee in the baseball information department named Kelly Monroe. Everyone loves Kelly. Mm-hmm. And many years ago, we did what we call clip the anthem, which, Gary, explain in your role when you're not broadcasting and you are producing how tricky it is to not clip the anthem. Yeah. And you want to avoid getting the anthem because you can't talk 
while the anthem is going, obviously. And the problem is you have to time it out because we have certain things we have to do right before the game. We have to get a certain amount of breaks in. We have to get a certain amount of reads in. And if we clip the anthem, it makes doing all that really difficult. So that's what we tried to avoid. So basically clipping the anthem is when you hear us come back from a break and you are hearing the national anthem instead of us talking. Usually we try and time it to where there's a break during the anthem, which is why you usually never hear it. And sometimes sometimes it's our fault. Like we had a roundtable guest yeah. who was incredible and we went along with him or her and now backlogged everything and we didn't do a good job of speeding the rest of it up. And so now we're toast. Right. But sometimes the, the Mariners are the best team in baseball at pregame timing. Yes. Like first pitch is always at 10 after. Mm -hmm. The anthem is always at exactly the time that it says on the sheet. It is stunning how many parks you go to and timing is, oh, first pitch is like three minutes later than it's supposed to be, which doesn't sound like a ton, but when you're timing stuff out, like that's an eternity. Yeah. In radio land, that's forever. Yeah. And so, and when you clip the anthem, it's never like you reach the anthem at its starting point no. and it sounds that's good. It's, it's you, right. you join it mid song yeah. and you come out of the music bed of like, now it's time for Mariners baseball. And then you fade up the anthem and it just sounds yeah. terrible. Yeah. It sounds really bad, but you have to do it. Something it just happens to the best of us, probably three to six times a year. And at a certain point, I just adopted the fact that Kelly Monroe sings every national anthem, our very own Kelly Monroe. And I always like to make up a backstory to go along with mm -hmm. each individual Kelly Monroe. They're, Kelly is normally related in some form to some Hall of Famer in that team's past. Because mm -hmm. this only happens on the road. This will never happen. Never at happens home. at home. Anthem so like, is always before the top of the hour at home, which is partly why. So inside, yeah. Well, it's a little inside radio yeah, right there. there so like in Houston one time we clipped it, and it was sung by Kelly Monroe from Sugarland, Texas, the niece of Astros Hall of Famer Craig Biggio. Uh -huh. Right? Like in Kansas City. Yeah, it's George Brett. She was, I remember that one. Yeah, she, George, George Brett. And the great thing about Kelly is it can be a man or a woman. Yeah which is wonderful. Uh, R. Kelly is female, and she has, each time I say her name multiple times, like she gets text messages from people listening, <laughs> which is great. The one I'm most proud of, and I really wish we saved these, there was a children's choir uh -huh. who sang the anthem someplace. And it was very difficult to think this up because you only have essentially 90 seconds. Right. But it was the French children's choir Monroe de Calais, <laughs> which, gosh, to this day, man, that is like, that's top five broadcasting moments for yeah. me. Says We've a lot. Had a, there's been a lot of variations. We had like the Kelly Monroe Barbershop Quartet. I mean, we did, I yes. We had a Kelly call. Monroe Jug Band at some point, too. I mean, it, it has gotten very creative through the years. But we like it because Kelly works very hard. Uh -huh. She does fantastic work. And we feel like three to six times a year, this is a really nice way to pay tribute to Kelly and her fake ancestry and her fake hometowns and her fake identity. 
You can thank us later, Kelly. I already feel like we've done too much for her now that I say all this. She should sing the actual anthem at some point. I bet she'd be a great anthem singer. Yeah. Now I'm going to get fired. <laughs> Anything else you want to reveal? <laughs> Monroe to Kelly. Yeah, she she's she's very happy whenever it happens. And in fact, I, I'm happy when it happens because it's a lot of fun. Yeah, for a situation where it tried to avoid, that actually right. makes it okay. Right, right. And there is the joy in radio, since you have no listener feedback immediately. I mean, like Twitter, but you're basically, you're just talking to yourself, <laughs> right? Like, there is a, there is great joy in giving yourself a chuckle, you know? <laughs> That's if funny. I can be frank, it just, it feels nice. Uh-huh. So, you know. Nobody else is laughing, but at least I am. <laughs> All right, we can move on now. I'm sorry, that got off the rails. What are we moving on to? <clears throat> Whatever you actually wanted to talk about here. Should we still do it? We're like we're like 20 minutes into this thing. That's it? <laughs> uh, well, we did want... What kind of RC dog shout-outs do we need to give? I think we gave. Oh, I was going to give Taylor Grant, uh, Glenn an RC dog shout out. Taylor Grant, uh, Glenn, RC dog in the subject line. Lives in Spokane. And you've gotten some civil skillets since. Still, those are still flowing. Still in well. coming in. I'm still getting some stories too. At some point, uh, we should have another one with some of these additional stories. Um, I would like to say hello to uh, Jerem Jordan, who tweeted us. Jerem, very good Mariners fan, friend of the pod, a wonderful statistician, might I add. And uh, he tweeted us using hashtag RCDog, oh. which uh, as I search hashtag RCDog, I actually see, did you say Greg Williams? No. Was that one of the names? That was not. Uh, Greg tweeted Mariner's Pod, Gary. I mean, aren't you the czar of Mariner's, at am, Mariner's Pod? yes. He actually enjoyed the podcast. Said, quote, keep it coming. <laughs> okay. What do you think this is right now, Greg? <laughs> you you asked for it. And he gave us, I, I can guarantee you this, Greg, you are the only human being to ever send out a tweet with the three following hashtags. RC dog, civil skillets, musket balls. Greg, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're a true American. Oh, that's great. Yeah, but I think bottom one, there aren't many RC dog um, hashtags, which I think makes us, makes our brand even more unique, you know? So I got an email too. This, this will come up later. This is from Eric Werzer, who's... Uh, thank you for the podcast, a regular listener for years, which is very, very nice. Uh, it's an email. I'll get, I'll get into it more in a, another episode, but the last sentence, one last thing as a history major, I totally get the love of the musket balls. Hashtag civil skillet. No, no. Eric I mean, like, Hey, I mean, for the record, 
I was a history major too. I don't think, you know, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to bicker here. Okay. I, I understand that you're cherry picking emails to prop up your position. I was just reading what somebody wrote. That's all. I know. So you were a history major? Yeah. You didn't know that? I just thought you would appreciate it. us a little more <laughs> as a history major. No, it's not. You're, it's not that I don't appreciate it. I just, I don't, I can't foresee myself holding on to musket balls. Okay. That's just, you know, I'm, I'm not a minimalist, Gary, but, you know, I don't have a palatial home like you where I just have rooms and rooms and shelves with perfect children who aren't going to touch everything. Okay, that's what it comes down to. It's your children, Gary. It's your children. Exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So what are we, we're 25 minutes into this thing. Yeah. So are we going to get into the topic we were supposed to, or are we putting it off for next time? I mean, we can go, you know, we can, I mean, what do you think? We can go, we can go 20 minutes on okay, it, right? Okay, let's start it then. Let's go. You start. You okay. introduce it and you start. Here's what's here's what we were planning and talking about. We have had some really great conversations through the years. Really fun, really I mean, amazing. Some really bad conversations too. <laughs> I guess we'll talk about that. We're gonna talk about some of our fun and not so fun conversations. Whether it's a group interview or one on one or whatever. It's we joke around a lot here. Because what else are we going to do? But it is amazing the people that we have the good fortune to interact with. Yeah. I think about that. And, who, and who somehow think that, like, they should talk to us because we work <laughs> on the same level that they do. <laughs> like, physically, like physically, physically the same floor. Right. Not, like, in reality, but just we happen to be working in the same space. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. That's so, like, true. well, like, yeah, I mean, he's got the same pass on than I do. So, yeah, like. He's Sure, I'll talk to you guys. Looks like a recorder, so I guess I guess he's legitimate. <laughs> Little said, do you know. Said three minutes, right? Three? <laughs> Can you go shorter than that? It is incredible. It's pretty cool. Do you want to start? What's your? I said you're going to start. Oh, I'm going to start. Yeah. So, I will. Uh, there's there's two that kind of stand out to me in terms of interviews. One of them was at. T-Mobile Park at the ballpark during a ball game. I went up to a suite, went into the suite, and as the Mariners were playing, and Ichiro was still playing at that point, I interviewed Ken Burns while the Mariners were playing. And I'm like, this is this is amazing. It's Ken Burns. We're talking about Ichiro, and there he is, like batting, and it was incredible. What was he like? He seems like the most Actually, he seems a lot like you, like calm, yeah, thoughtful, yeah, like just engaging. And that's exactly how he was. Really nice. I mean, we talked for a while before and after because he was there just watching a ball game. I mean, he was on the time of his life. Did you set this up somehow? Like, did PR help no, you? Yeah, I mean, this, must was, this was one that was was set up. Hey, do you want to talk to Ken Burns? Uh. <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I do. But it's the kind of thing. Well, did you did you talk exclusively about the documentary or did, or the other things? Did you talk about Appomattox musket balls? I mean, we did not talk about Appomattox musket balls. Although we could have talked about all his documentaries. I think this this was years ago. I think this is when the tenth inning came out. Okay. The addition to baseball. So right. Man, this may be seven, eight years ago now at this point. So it's been a while. But I think that's why he was kind of going around. But he and he talked a lot about Ichiro. He's he a big Ichiro fan and has impacted uh, in the game and everything else. But yeah, well, no, he was exactly how you described it. When do we play that? I know we've played it before, but we don't play it enough, I feel like. And when when have we played it historically? I don't remember I have, we haven't played it in years. We should sometime. It's Ken Burns. Yeah, we do. definitely, absolutely. That's cool, man. Yeah, that's great. And and the the idea of interviewing him while a ball game was I know, going on is kind of in cool. a suite, just like yeah. I just I guess I'm hanging out with Ken Burns. I guess this is a thing now. You know, when I was thinking about this, so some of the some of my favorites we've discussed in previous episodes, mm -hmm. right? Vince Scully. Yeah. We discussed Al Kaline, mm -hmm. sadly, upon his passing. Like talking to Al Kaline about facing Bob Gibson in the World Series is pretty awesome. Right. I mean, that's about as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, I would say, in terms of an interview that I always look forward to every year, and we talk to him all the every year, whenever we see him at our ballpark or his. And this is a guy who gets a bad rap. And that's John Sterling. Oh, yeah. The voice of the Yankees. Yeah. Now, he gets a bad rap, I think, in part because of the voice of the Yankees, right? Like, he could be amazing, but a lot of people still want to like him because of the voice of the Yankees. But obviously, there is a, a lot of footage of him uh, before some very helpful eye surgery that he had recently, or somewhat recently, I guess, at this point, uh, where he's had some gaffes, some goofs. Uh, there was a fascinating, uh, was that Real Sports, Garrett, HBO, yeah, that did, did that, that whole thing yeah, on him? Followed him around and... Yeah. Yeah. And it was great. And he, and he discussed that, among many other things, of course. But when you really listen to John, I mean, he has a incredible memory mm -hmm. he has a magnificent set of pipes yes great voice and he and susan waldman are just entertaining man mm -hmm. like it's too easy and i know i've fallen into this from time to time hopefully i don't fall into it often but it's too easy for broadcasters nowadays to all sound like the next guy yeah right I agree. and i feel like some of that is because like there is fear that if you say something wrong or you mess up a call or you just sound too different that in today's social media era you'll just get roasted man you'll right. get harpooned yeah. right like that call of whatever you did will just get played a million times mm -hmm. and it's embarrassing john doesn't know about any of that and he is <laughs> A full original. And so I love that about him. And it's just, there's nothing like it, man. And when you are, when you're mowing your yard 
if you want to be entertained, flip on John and Susan for 10 minutes. You will laugh. Like, bottom line, you will laugh, you'll smile, you'll be entertained. So my – besides just talking with him and having him on the radio with us, a couple of years ago, I said, I, I have to get John Sterling to record my voicemail. And so I knew I had to incorporate a call into the voicemail and I was having a hard time figuring out what, what call and what would make a good call. And is there a theme to this? And I stumbled on a Matt Holiday home run call. And it blossomed into this idea to have him say these things, which I would then produce to be my voicemail on my cell phone from roughly Thanksgiving through the end of the year. The pitch is swung on and drilled at deep center. Jones going back, away back, on the track. It is gone. Three-run home run for Matt Holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. Happy holiday. This is John Sterling, the voice of the New York Yankees. On behalf of my good friend Aaron Goldsmith, I'd like to wish you and yours a very happy holiday. Happy holiday. Now, some would say that that's the greatest voicemail of all time, and I would say you're absolutely right. That's I mean, hard to argue with. It is, but the great thing about it was trying to explain to John what I was doing was very difficult. <laughs> like, like he was not he was not picking up on my end goal very uh -huh. well. Uh, but I have video and photographs of him recording my voicemail into a digital recorder and reading the script off of my iPad from the visiting radio booth at Yankee Stadium, which I think those are truly one-of-a-kind pictures. Yeah. So I'm pretty pumped about it. So uh, this all started with Alec Aline, and you mentioned the, the Tigers-Cardinals World Series. Right. Today, I have come into possession of every single radio broadcast from that entire series. What? <laughs> like what baseball broadcast black market have you been shopping on? Half of them, Ernie Harwell's on the call. Actually, four of them, Ernie Harwell's on the call. Jack Puck is on the call and the others. Isn't that the greatest? How'd you come up with these? It's a long story, but I have... Are they MP3s or are they hard, MP3s. hard copies? Of I've, I've come into possession. You know, I'm, I'm hunting audio all the time. I've come into possession of like 500 games all before, all with like 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s today, which I am thrilled about. That's amazing. Including the 1934 All-Star Game, which is the <laughs> second All-Star Game, the radio broadcast of the 34 All-Star Game. It's amazing. Well, and here we are, you see. We're at the second ever All-Star game right now at uh, Polo Grounds. And, I mean. How'd you know it was the Polo Grounds? Was it the Polo Grounds? It was the Polo Grounds. Well, what can I say, Gary? I was a history major. That's really great work. <clears throat> That's okay. amazing. You know, I was, I was thinking about the guys we've talked to and – you know, the more I thought about it, the more difficult this became. So we've had so many fun conversations. One of 
the most fun conversations we've had. Remember when we had Keith Hernandez on a couple of years ago? Oh my gosh. So good. <laughs> and so good. Was, part of it was because you had this intersection of like really good baseball stories. I mean, he was on the 86 Mets. There's no team, I think, that has more entertaining stories than the 86 Mets. So on the baseball side, I mean, he's great. He can tell you anything. But the thing that puts it over the top it's Seinfeld, man. Uh, Jerry was a Met, uh, Brooklyn guy. He was a Met fan, and I was his favorite player. So remember now, the Mets have stunk most of their <laughs> existence. And uh, our 10 years when I was there, uh, well, not even 10 years. I was there seven years. It's probably the best period of time in Met history, mm-hmm. uh, you know, put together. And um, he and Larry David wrote the show, and uh, they didn't know how to get a hold of me. And I was a year retired. I was living in New York, Manhattan, and uh, I got a call from my final agent. My last agent was Scott Boris, and uh, he called me on the phone and said, hey, we got this sitcom. They want you to come to L.A., and would, are you interested? And I go, well, what's the name of the show? And they go, well, it's the Seinfeld show. I go, and I don't watch primetime. I said, well, what's that? He goes, well, it's a sitcom. I go, and it hadn't taken <laughs> off. That year, it didn't take off. The first, okay. the first year or two, it didn't yeah. take off. And... Um, he said, you're just going to have a small role. And I said, okay. So I, 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 I said, how much? <laughs> <laughs> and they said, $15,000. I said, I'll do it. Uh-huh. So they flew me out to L.A. They FedExed the script to me. Then I realized I was the guest star. And I had a lot of lines. I was petrified. <laughs> <laughs> I'd never acted. I'd never acted. I'd never, uh, you know, at that point, that was my first experience acting, which was, it was a great experience for me, seeing the whole week of, of, of preparation. Um, in doing the show, how they change the, the different things and they work together, the whole production end of it, and uh, it was it was a fascinating week. But uh, I was so exhausted when it was over because yeah. I a lot I, of stretching. Uh, yes, and I had to do it in front of a live audience on, wow. on Friday night around three two hundred people, which was petrifying. And Jerry came up to me and goes, "What are you nervous about? You hit in front of fifty thousand people." <laughs> Yeah. I said, well, I don't have to memorize lines up on the plate. <laughs> <laughs> and I, have, but I got through it, and, uh, you know, it turned out to be, you know, an iconic episode. It just very, very lucky. I had nothing to do with it. It was just the writers and the people around me that propped me up. I, I just memorized my lines. That's all I remember. I, I realized after Tuesday, two days of rehearsal, that this is preparation for this show, and then I leave, and they got to do another show uh, another week, and I better not gum it up. So I made sure that I memorized my lines. I'm Keith Hernandez. The Seinfelds. Oh, the bumper that you made for that round table was one of the best of all time. I'm oh. Keith Hernandez. Yes. That's it. I'm Keith Hernandez. And he did not disappoint, man. No, he was amazing. He was great. So that was one of one of my favorites of all time. I I have, from time to time, called down to the umpire's clubhouse mm. to ask an umpire a question. Sometimes I'll do it over the phone. Uh, sometimes I'll go down and knock on the door and try to talk to a guy in person. And a n- couple of years ago, before he retired, when we were going through one of our Griffey weekends, because I think in this case he was going to the Hall of Fame, uh, I set up an interview with Jim Joyce the longtime umpire to talk about his relationship with junior, which I didn't really know much about until 
somehow tip someone tipped me off on it. But those two had a kind of a special relationship. I believe, if I remember this correctly, that Junior had only been thrown out of one game ever, and it was Joyce who tossed him, and that Junior somehow befriended Joyce's at the time very young daughter, mm. and. She obviously looked up to Junior like every kid did. She wore number twenty-four in every sport for the rest of her life. Uh, so it was kind of a it was a, a unique angle, unique story. But to me, the coolest thing about it was going into the umpires clubhouse and sitting down with Jim Joyce while you have the other umpires like playing cards <laughs> and like eating Easy Mac, right? And we're in the back of this little clubhouse. And they got all their umpire gear hung up and I'm just talking to him. Like I talked to anybody else, but I'm in like this almost like foreign land. Like, Oh, for sure. Right. Like it's not that we're not allowed in there. But, I mean, he didn't, yeah. he didn't invite, he invited me in, uh, but it's just not someplace where we are very often. Mm -hmm. So I guess the thing that made it so unique was that we have heard so much about junior for so many years forever, but this was a new voice. Yeah. And a voice that carried great authority, and it was really to me it was, it was very cool. And his handlebar mustache was also incredibly intimidating. Which was your inspiration? It was my inspiration. Yeah. Which I wouldn't say failed, but didn't exactly take off. You know who was really great, and this is one of the ones that it's kind of the most fun because I didn't plan on it. But when Doc Emmerich came on the air with us in Boston. Oh, I told, that's a great call. Oh, my gosh. And I'm not even a hockey guy. Like, right. But I know Doc Emmerich. He's amazing. He's hockey. And when he came he, on, he was so great. You're talking about, you know, Pittsburgh Pirates fan, huge baseball fan. And the stories. And he was, he was amazing. My brother and I were, uh, we just were baseball fans. And folks like yourself... Uh, were a part of our life because we made scoreboards out of plywood and drove nails in inning by inning like the scoreboard that you'd see at Wrigley Field or at Forbes Field in Pittsburgh and we would turn the radio on daytime we would get the Cubs because at that time they played all their games yeah. during the day yeah. and then at night we would go up and down the dial now we were rural Indiana and so we would get uh, we would get all of the 50,000-watt stations that were carrying games, and we would hang the inning-by-inning inning scores as we heard them uh, on St. Louis stations in Detroit and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, all the common carrier 50,000-watt stations that we would get. And then at the end of the day, we'd go to bed, and some of the games wouldn't be over, but the next day we would clear the board off, and we would start all over again. And we would play games in, in, the, uh, in the yard and make out lineup cards each day, and uh, whoever was at bat would announce, and whoever was in the field would chase the ball. <laughs> and uh, I have to say this, we were Midwestern guys, and in our games, the New York Yankees never won. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. The, you know, the other amazing thing about that, to tell you about a guy with no ego, so it's an hour before Mariners Red Sox game at Fenway Park. And I'm in the, I'm in the home TV booth talking with some of their broadcast, the Red Sox broadcasters, just your team, my team, so forth and so on. And the door opens up and here comes somebody 
escorting Doc Emmerich into the Red Sox Nesson booth. And Doc says hi to the guys as I am talking to them. And I'm immediately thinking like, well, okay, I'm, I'm leaving. <laughs> like I am going to leave right now. So I wrapped it up. I walked out the door. I kind of nodded my head to acknowledge that I knew that that was Doc Emmerich. And I said, hello. And then I'm starting to think more as I'm walking back to our booth and I'm like, we, he would be a massive score for the round table. Yeah. This, this would be amazing. So I walk back into the TV booth like 10 minutes later. He's talking to somebody else. I asked Dave O'Brien, their TV broadcaster, Dave, do you think Doc would be okay to, like, what's he here for? Is he just taking a game? Would it be cool to come on air with us? Dave gave me this bright green light to go talk to him. I introduced myself. Doc actually seems interested in saying hi to me. <laughs> like, oh, Aaron, oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> wow, okay. And... I ask him if he'll come on the air, and it's just like, well, absolutely. I'd be, it'd be my honor. I'd be more than happy to. I can't believe this is happening. Like the whole thing was basically just spoon-fed to us. Yeah, and, and he it was in town to one call of the best Stanley Cup finals. That's the only reason he was there, and he was calling it the next night, and was at Fenway, just going to a ball game. So cool, man. Yeah, so cool. And then we got a great picture of you, me, and Rick with Doc, and there happened to be a hockey stick in the visiting radio booth at Fenway Park, which we all... They always have a hockey stick on the wall, for whatever reason. <laughs> and it actually, actually came in handy hey, for the first time Hey, Doc, ever. let's pose with this hockey stick. What do you say? <laughs> so great. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. Um, okay, I do have to reference the the person that I have embarrassed myself the most in front of in an interview setting. It's happened like three times. <laughs> and that is multiple time winner of the manager of the year award in both leagues, I believe. Right. Yeah. Bob Melvin. Like I have, some people might find this hard to believe that I have actually looked like a complete buffoon in front of Bob Melvin, like not once, but numerous times. Um, okay. The first time the two that really stand out was, uh, we were talking about the Anthem earlier mm -hmm. and I was asking if I could do an interview with him. You could tell he didn't want to do it, but he said, yes, or down on the field hours before the game, right? We start doing this interview and like 30 seconds into the interview, this 80 piece orchestra <laughs> with like 10 tubas starts rehearsing the national anthem. And Bob just like starts talking louder and just keeps plowing ahead with his answer. And I'm like, we, I can't, I can't play this. Obviously I can't. Well, the radio station will get calls that we are you know, abusing the anthem because we're speaking over it because people will think this is live and it's not live. <laughs> and so he wraps it up. He wraps up his answer fairly quickly from the time that the anthem starts, which is both good and bad. I immediately stop recording and I go, Bob, man, I'm, Hey, I'm sorry. Like I can't play this with this anthem going. So Hey, if you want, seriously, man, just 
just go. Like, I'm letting you off the hook. This is catch and release. Okay. I'll see you later. And he, like, his face got even worse. And he just says, I'll stay, which is not, I wanted him to leave. I wanted him to leave. So it's me and Bob Melvin, like a surly Bob Melvin, standing on the field at the Coliseum for another 60 seconds as this enormous band finishes rehearsing the anthem. And then they finish, and he, he actually, like, he has some media savvy to him. And he says, just start from the top. Don't even pick it up where we were. Just start from the top. Oh, my gosh. It's like he wants to hold this over my head, right? And then the other one that was really bad, this is more embarrassing because this is, like, all my fault. The tuba thing was just bad timing. Yeah. I was doing prep for an interview with Bob, and I was sorting, I think it was starting rotation ERA or maybe just staff ERA, something like that, mm -hmm. pitching. But I sorted it from, instead of from best to worst, right? Like I'm like looking at the American League. So instead of from like first to 15th, I sorted it accidentally 15th to first, okay? <laughs> and so like his, whatever the pitching stat was, they were in this reverse sorting like 13th. Okay, which really means they were like third, right? But not when you reverse it. And so we're doing this interview, and I said, "Yeah, Bob, you guys are playing really well, and you're one nine your last ten, and this month you have one of the best records in the league, which is really surprising, isn't it? Given the fact that your rotation has the thirteenth worst ERA in the American League." <laughs> <laughs> and he starts to answer and then he cuts himself off like three words into the answer and looks at me with this like kind of cockeyed thing and goes, are you, are you sure about that? I think you should check the numbers. I think you might want to double check that. I don't think that's true. I think we're actually a lot better than that. And it's, Oh my God. Like if, if somebody you're interviewing ever says, are you sure about that? You should double check. I don't think that's right. You, your toast, man. Yeah. Terrible. It's terrible. Unforgivable. And we haven't had a Bob Melvin interview on the air. We since. haven't had a Bob Melvin interview since. <laughs> yeah. For my longevity, and he just wouldn't, I don't think he would say yes anymore, which is understandable. Well, it's good that we only see the A's 30 times yeah, a year. Yeah, 100 times. <laughs> Hey, Bob. <laughs> hey, Bob. Oh, that's great. Can I talk about two of my favorite stories that we've ever yes. gotten? Two great guests, but specifically, uh, this isn't really a story, I guess. John Miller's Vin Scully impression, oh, including gosh. in Japanese, is the best. It's like the best thing we've ever had on the air. When you used to have a lot of young guys. You'd get tapes from guys uh, hoping to get a shot in the big leagues. And f for a long period of time, they all sounded like Vince Scully. Yeah. It's as if they all said, yeah. how do you do this thing? Well, he's the best, so I should just sound like Vince Scully. And, and I thought, well, that's a great tribute to Vinny. And then uh, so I would say uh, 
Then we went to Japan, and I had a chance at long last to hear the legendary voice of the Tokyo Giants, uh, Genshiro Asami, who was a real guy, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> and so I knew of the legend of Asami-san, but I'd never heard Asami-san. So I had a great sense of uh, anticipation. I turned on the, the TV to, at long last hear him, mm-hmm. and it put me off a little bit because he came on and he was doing Vinny. No way. Otashi wa Karako in the stadium ni orimas. <laughs> Hajime Mashde Dozyarushku Lo. I actually had a chance to do that with Vinny one night on a, back in the sometime in the eighties. He was still doing the game of the week in NBC. Yeah. And I was with the Orioles in Seattle. Ah, Seattle, you beautiful town. If you have it a chance is. to get up there, I'd go. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Spend as much time as you can up there. I'm playing it. But uh, the guy ultimately asked about the Vin Scully impression. Yeah. So Vinny's in a studio in New York. I'm in a studio in Seattle, and we're in some satellite hookup. So I do the Vince Kelly in Japanese thing. Yeah. And now Vinny in New York, he starts speaking Japanese, which I thought, whoa, now that's cool. <laughs> and uh, so, uh, you know, and I had another bit where I, he's down in, uh, I, I go to Venezuela and hear the Venezuelan broadcaster and, uh, uh, you know, Cal Ripken tiene 27 home runs in el año detrás. Ripken viene a bola, saca, foul. Dos y dos. El partido de baseball con Farmer Juan. <laughs> so, anyway, the, at the very end of the thing, the guy says, uh, well, Vinny, uh, John does this little impression of you. And, uh, how do you feel about that? And he says, uh, well, I can see that there's a fine line between having fun and making fun. But I take it as all being done in good fun. Although, I will say, I'm much happier being the imitatee rather than the imitator. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. So now I'm, feel I leave the studio and I'm walking downtown. I'm heading over to the Pike Street Market or whatever. And mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, having fun, making fun. <laughs> and uh, having an imitatee. And I'm thinking, wow. And this is 20 minutes after things over. I'm thinking, did he just cut me up into a thousand pieces? <laughs> <laughs> and you and never I'm do just it. now realizing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you're right about that, actually. Well, he does. He does Vince Scully in three languages. Yeah. English, Spanish, Japanese. And they're all amazing. And they're all incredible. And the other one, which we've played on the podcast before, it, Hawks Edgar story is just one of my favorite of all time. From the playoffs, when Lou walks out to talk to Cameron, we've played it before. It, it, the way he tells that story is perfect. It's a great Hall baseball of Fam- story. Hall of Famer, Hawk Harrelson. Hall of Famer, Hawk Harrelson. Well, I will say Hawk is one of the many, you know, interviewing on a serious note, like, Interviewing people that you don't know at all, have no relationship with, mm-hmm. teaches you a lot about – I'll only speak for myself because I, I will assume that only I do this poorly. Teaches you a lot about how wrongly I, I can judge somebody from afar or just by looking at them. Like Hawk, for example, I was terrified of. Let's start there. I was like, this guy's like a curmudgeon. He's just like this old baseball lifer, right? Who's not going to give me the time of day. 
is going to blow off all my answers and everything's going to be about how pitchers don't go nine innings anymore. <laughs> right. Like, I'm like, this is why would like, why would I waste his time and get upset about this? And I'm talking to Kevin Kremen and I'll never forget it. His direct word, direct quotes quote was Hawks a peach. Go get them. And I'm like, the last thing Hawk is, is a peach man. Like, have you heard him call a game? I mean, like he'll he'll get after you, uh-huh. right? So I approached Hawk in the clubhouse, visiting clubhouse, and like he calls everybody else, called me buddy. When doesn't know your name, you're buddy. <laughs> Kevin always said that once you upgraded from buddy, you went from buddy to handsome. Mm. I don't know if he ever called anybody by their real name, but I I asked him if he would be willing to do an interview, and, and he said yes, and like said the time and the location, and he was there on time, right? Look, I mean, and. I could not have been more wrong about Hawk. He was, and also I would add to that the story of the batting glove, how he invented oh, the batting yes. glove. Yes. Well, necessity is the mother of invention. And I was the kid, I was platooning in Kansas City, and uh, the Yankees came to play. And that's the only time we ever drew any people in Kansas City, was the Yankees would come in. So I wasn't going to play that day. They were going to pitch a right hander named Jim Coates. So I went to play golf. Uh, Sammy Esposito and Gino Simoli would play Ted Bosfield and myself. My first two, two years in the big leagues, you know, the minimum salary is $6,000. I actually made more money playing golf, shooting pool, and arm wrestling than I did playing Major League Baseball. So I went out, we played 27 holes of golf that day. So I get to the ballpark. I went right from the golf course to the ballpark. And I look in the lineup. I'm in there. The Yankees made a switch. They're going to pitch Whitey Ford. So now I'm in there hitting third. So don't you know... I'm taking batting practice, and I, get, I wore a little blister right there on my ring finger by the 27 holes of golf. And I remembered I had my golf glove up in my jeans up in the, the clubhouse. So I went up there and got that. The game starts. I come to bat in the bottom of the first inning, and I got this flaming red golf glove on. I want to tell you, Yankees wore me out. <laughs> they were on me so bad, I can't even say uh, what they were calling me and everything else. Don't you know Whitey hung me a curveball? And I hit it about 450 over that left center field fence for a home run. Well, about the sixth inning, I come back up there again, and they're still on me, but not as bad as they were. Don't you know he hung me another one, and I hit it over that left center field fence again. So the next day, the Yankees come out of the clubhouse, and they all had red golf gloves on. Mantle had the clubby go buy a couple of dozen golf gloves, and they all put them on, and that's how the golf, that's how the hitting glove got started. And also he talked about, because I found this very emotional, just from an outsider's standpoint. In Frank Thomas's Hall of Fame speech, he thanked Hawk Harrelson for giving him the nickname The Big Herd. And I mean, how many times do guys like us get thanked in a Hall of Fame speech? I mean, it doesn't happen, no. right? So I asked Hawk what it meant to him and how he came up with the name of The Big Herd. And just hearing Hawk say, he heard it. He heard it. It's the big hurt. I mean, it's just like, it's so great, man. Like when you're there next to him and he's doing it and he's saying, I mean, just the coolest he was. And then when we had him on the round table, to your point about the the Edgar story and how we both thought he was going to curse and he didn't. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He was like, oh, he's for sure cursing. Right. Okay. He edited himself. Almost, Mm -hmm. but no. Yeah. Hawk is man. That guy. What a what a what an incredible career! Like you know, whether you like his broadcast or not, that's not the point. 
That's not the point. Right. The point is it's an incredible baseball life. Yeah. Incredible. That's a great call on Hawk. Yeah. Love that guy. My other favorite thing that we do is when we take like a Hall of Famer, an amazing baseball person, and like Marty Brenneman, for example, and we pull them into our world by playing Marty Brenneman's airport announcement <laughs> on the air forum to get us reaction. Well, I can't believe that you found the PA address from the Cincinnati International Airport where he says, Welcome to Cincinnati. I'm Rez broadcaster Marty Brenneman. Like the fact that you found that actual audio. Hi, this is Marty Brenneman, voice of the Cincinnati Reds, welcoming you to the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport. Voted best regional airport in North America three years in a row. Uh, the funny right? thing, people come in and say, God almighty, do we have to? Is that the first thing we have to hear yes. when we get off an airplane and <laughs> yes. go through the terminal? That's the way it is, pal. That's <laughs> the way it is. So I feel like on the air, we actually lobbied our listening audience. If you're flying through Cincinnati, and that's how hold your it. phone up and record the PA so we can play it. And somebody, Somebody emailed me a link to a story on the Cincinnati airport where they had a clean recording of it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> okay, to add to that, Marty, a Hall of Famer, Joe Castiglione, a Red Sox Hall of Famer. Yeah. People might not be able to relate to this. Maybe with the app, you've been able to hear, you know, if you're a real baseball radio junkie, you window shop. But Joe, for like decades, has been the voice of Shaw's Grocery Store. Yeah. Which Shaw's is, you know, like Safeway out east. But Joe has a very distinct voice. Shaw's. <laughs> now on sale, Shaw's seedless watermelon. Two ninety nine a pound. Limited five boxes. I mean, like, and every time I drive past the Shaw's when I lived out east, like I always thought of Joe. And so this past season, Kevin Kremen was moonlighting as the Red Sox engineer because they don't travel an engineer and Kevin's retired, but he knows how to do this stuff still. So he makes a couple of bucks and runs the game for the Red Sox. He does it for some other teams too. And he needed paper or he needed our printer. I think mm -hmm. he wanted the other. And he told us he needed it to print out the Red Sox reads. And so when he printed them out, I said, Hey Kevin, can you, can you please, can you print out a second copy? And he gave us two Shaw's reads for Joe, which we had him read live on the round table. One was for pepperoni pizza, and one was for ground beef. <laughs> ground beef on sale, four ninety nine a pound, limit five pounds. And it's just incredible. And then I had Joe sign one of the pieces of copy, which, you know, how can you, how I'm the I hope I'm the only person in the world that has official Red Sox radio copy for Shaw's autographed by Joe Castiglione. Now, Joe, I'm, I'm ambushing you here, okay? Our good friend, and yours as well, a great friend, actually, Kevin Kremen, is oh, engineering yes. for you right we're, now. We're very fortunate to have Kevin. Now, Kevin came in here to use our printer to print some promos for you, and he knows how much I love Joe Castiglione for Shaw's. So he dropped <laughs> off for us a couple of reads, okay. Joe. And if you would, would you be so kind? Here's the first one for you. We'd like to hear. Now through Thursday, April 4th, 
Find a home run of a deal with select varieties of signature select pizza, pepperoni, five cheese, spicy Italian sausage, and more for only $3.99 each. Only at Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Boston Red Sox radio network. He just made his day. Because <laughs> one, one's not enough. Second read on this one uh, is short and sweet, but right to the point. Uh, Shaw's is going to love this one. Now through <laughs> Thursday, April 4th, value packs of 80% lean ground beef on sale for only $2.49 a pound. Only at Shaw's, the official supermarket of the Boston Red Sox radio network. If you hit Aaron Boone with that, he will he will tell you all about the price of the strawberry. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been doing Shaw's for? Uh, I think they've been our, our prime sponsor. Uh, they sponsor the whole network. It's and it's about fifteen years. Now, do you, have and, you ever uh, paid for anything at Shaw's? <laughs> <laughs> the only perk I get is when I go into my local Shaw's, which is about a mile from my house. The manager sees me and opens up a cashier lane, so I don't have to wait in line. If people only knew how often I hear Shaw's. <laughs> Shaw's. In my everyday life. Well, my <laughs> normal everyday life. Shaw's. He's, he's a beauty, man. Yeah. He's a treasure. He's okay. Yeah, it, but that is a great example of us sucking people into <laughs> just the utter. You want me to do what? I mean, sometimes we really have to explain What? It's like no, yeah, yeah, and then they say like, "This live? Like, yeah, <laughs> actually, it, yeah, it's all live, man. It's one hundred percent live for sure. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, I think. I mean, we're pretty lucky, man. We're pretty yeah, lucky. We really are. Oh, Dennis Eckersley, oh, one of the best interviews of all time. Yes, <clears throat> it's was, showtime, man. Dude, that was one of my. Favorite all-time conversations is when I was talking to Eckersley when Felix was rolling and just, I mean, him talking about Felix, his eyes got wide, his mustache was in all its glory, <laughs> his hair flying around, and just his excitement. You could feel the passion just talking about Felix. It's showtime, man. It's so great. Dude, that guy loves baseball. He loves yeah. it. It's so infectious. He's yeah. a great watch. Yeah. Great watch. David Price might not think so, but other people. <laughs> a lot of other people do. I mean, yeah. I was I was looking at the list. I mean, there's just you know, Dan Shulman, uh, who we got on the round table last year was was great. It's just so many. Oh, Gary Thorne. Love Gary Thorne. Gary is fantastic. The voice of God. Yeah. It's a tough year last year for Gary. <laughs> yeah. It and was. he wasn't bashful talking about it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's some incredibly talented individuals that are, for some reason, always kind enough to share 10 minutes with us. And we, it's cool because it, to me, there are, professionally, there aren't many things that I find cooler than being in this game for 30 years for 40 years and the line of credit that you build up when you do that and the people that you meet and that you establish relationships with and the database of memories mm -hmm. that you create and hopefully hold on to uh, and when all these names we're talking about these are all guys who are the back nine of that and what 
advantages they have because they have been able to document all this stuff, yeah. right? And like, can you imagine Dave as a roundtable guest on another team's broadcast? I know. It'd be incredible. I mean, I mean, it was why that would be as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, Ray Fossey, <laughs> who's broadcaster for the Oakland A's, catcher for the Oakland A's forever and for the Mariners too for a while. He sent me a handful because he's he does pregame interviews every single day and he's kept every single one. So he stacked up all the Mariners ones and gave me all a bunch of Mariners interviews. And he gave me his interview with Dave Niehaus, which was great because I have never heard. Yeah, you know, I've heard a million interviews, you know, Dave Niehaus interviewing people. We don't have people interviewing Dave Niehaus. So it was so cool to hear. And this was right after the Hall of Fame, too. So uh, it was such a unique experience to listen to Ray Fossey interview Dave. To your point, he'd be amazing. He'd be the ultimate he would, guest. If he didn't already, he would really say anything he wanted at yeah. that point. I mean, you're on enemy airwaves. I mean, you're fine, man. Oh, stories? Yeah, you just run amok. Whatever. It all goes. That's when it's the best. Those conversations. For sure. I mean, Euchre. I mean, go down the list. There are so many. Tom Hamilton from Cleveland. Euchre. You, I mean, Euchre is just unbelievable. Whenever we get him, which is not often enough, obviously, yeah. being able to get being able to get him is incredible. We and we both got a Euchre ball signed this past year, which was great. Yeah. Well, the fact that Euchre parks inside the ballpark right by the security gate and has a policeman change the lights outside Miller Park so that his is green and the other two are red so that right when he leaves, he's got a green light. <laughs> like that is, that's when you know you've got it, man. Like that, you got it made. That is better than any mm -hmm. statue you could get outside the ballpark, which he has as well, but. Yeah, you're right. I mean, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Well, we've got. I think. An hour. I think in a few years you'll be there. I think you're not far off. Yeah, not far off at all. You keep. I think with this Mariners Pod rebranding you're doing here, Mariners Pod, it's gonna help. That I'll Mariners expedite Pod. it. Remember, send us your whatever question you want and spring training names. Mariners Pod at Mariners.com. Kind of a grab bag of an episode. We talked about that like an hour ago, so I thought I'd bring it up again. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah so that's it i think yeah i think um you know we all want baseball gary yeah we all want baseball but <clears throat> i think some people who crave mindless entertainment that they can have on in the background without actually paying attention to it will really miss this format once baseball starts again that's true I have to say we continue we, these during the season, though. This is great. Uh, like an hour after a random game against the Astros, settle down for a podcast starting at midnight. <laughs> I'm shocked that I've never heard one of your podcasts through the hotel wall. That is kind of surprising. Although, I mean, what are the odds? How many times have we really been room next I mean, year? it's... It's happened. It's happened, it's happened, obviously, but I mean, that would be a podcast was, on itself, talking about the podcast. There, 
there was that time in New York last year where my room was haunted. <laughs> Carrie, you're my really, room was haunted. You're really, you're really Carrie, letting it all out there on this one, aren't you? It was haunted, man. I'm telling you. Voices, bro. Voices in the room. Not voices. Clear you as day. Voice. What's that? I thought it was just, I thought you heard a voice, not voices. Well, okay, but multiple nights. Okay, a voice, multiple nights. What did it say again? I, I don't remember at all. <laughs> but man, I woke up and I, <laughs> my heart was pounding, man. And I'm, it's like, you are dead asleep, and then within a matter of one second, you are wide awake. There's somebody here. I feel bad. I feel like you just took a question away from somebody who was going to ask, have you ever heard voices at a hotel room <laughs> on the road? And you would have had a story. Why, yes, in New York last year. I'm telling you, man. It happened. Hey, were you recording at like 2 a.m.? Nah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was not. I was just I was really hoping you were. <laughs> that would have explained a lot. Really would have. <laughs> this has been my favorite episode so far. Uh this has been a very inner circle. This one? Yeah. I don't know. You have really let people in in a number of different ways. My yeah, my craziness at night. That and... I mean the spring training names. Kelly Monroe. I feel like right. this is a really insider's podcast. This one has been. See, I've started to reference spring training names on actual Mariners radio, but I never explain it. I just right. say, oh, that'd be a great spring training name. And uh, then I move on. You're like, what? Yeah. Oh, you no, know, they actually get used. Yeah. Yeah, they actually get used. It's called the Pyramid of Awareness, <laughs> which was once taught to me in radio school. The Pyramid of Awareness. And like, as I've said to you before, <clears throat> like the, like the bottom of the pyramid is like Obama, right? Uh -huh. Or Oprah or Jordan. Like everybody knows the very top of the pyramid is velvet milkman. <laughs> so like that's, it's the, it's called the, for all the young broadcasters out there, the pyramid of awareness. Remember that. I mean, I think you should. Will you please title this podcast Pyramid of Awareness? Oh, sure. I can do that. Pyramid of Awareness. Hashtag the problem the milkman. Is, <laughs> problem is if you actually title it Pyramid of Awareness, um, everyone will turn the podcast off before they discover <laughs> what the Pyramid of Awareness is. That's fine. That's the fun. And I really think the hashtag this time around should be Velvet Milkman. I'm telling, dude. I think, I think we're gonna get an email from her. Okay. I hope so. Somebody knows Velvet, and she needs to know that in the Northwest she's a big deal. Yeah. And I think I used her name. Yeah, I think you uh, did. Yes. In my six spring training innings this year, I'm pretty sure I said her name. Which is I'm pretty sure. Up total. Yeah, Velvet. Well, um, I'm glad this has been your favorite episode, Gary. Yeah, you did great work. Good job. Hey, feel good about it. You were about normal, so that's great. I mean, average for me is great. I'm hoping that we get more than like three questions for next week. Yeah, so do I. 
But you know what? If not, you know what's going to happen? A lot of We're just going to bring training names and make up questions. Oh, it's good. You know? Yeah. Jabby Callis wants to know, Gary, <laughs> what's your pregame meal? <laughs> That's a good one. Stony LaRue is curious. Aaron, what's your favorite ballpark? Flo Goldberg wants to know, Gary, why the beard? Kurt Corvalli from Corvallis. See? You, know, uh-huh. you can go anywhere we want. I got names for days. Oh, this is a great one. <laughs> Some of the real players that I put notes in by. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Blow has this now the second most home runs by any German-born player. Yes. So I had like, you know, like I saved the reference search, baseball reference search for German-born players <laughs> sorted by like whatever, you know? Right. And so Fritz Mollwitz has the fourth <laughs> most hits from a German-born player. <laughs> I mean, it's a real guy, you know? That's a real guy. Uh, Fritz Mollwitz, uh, by the way... Um, was born in 1890. So if you haven't heard of him, it's okay. But a nice little career, you know, seven years in the show. We have Blow's eight RBI game coming up in June on a Classics. I feel like we should get him on this. To, I bet he'll listen to it. To talk about it. Oh, yeah, get him on here. Yeah, join us. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, but what, um, I was actually randomly thinking about this the other day. He is the only player in baseball history to have in a single season games of eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one RBIs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember working on that for a long time. It's the kind of thing too. Like, I think that's correct that I didn't write down that I really regret not writing down like all the research that went into it. But yeah, that was eight, seven, like six, he, five, four, three, he two, definitely did it. Yes. But it, it is hard to figure out that he's the only one. I did it. I was able to, Oh, how did I start? I started with guys cause you have to get eight in a game. So I started there. Right. Sure. Because the list isn't that big. I mean, how many guys had eight RBIs in a, and then you, right. then you go game lock, which each guy, and yeah. you sort by just RBIs, sort yeah, and then you and start looking down. at the list. And a lot of guys, if they had eight, I mean, they didn't have seven. But some guys did. That's the thing. Yeah. That's the or even six, man. Yeah. So then you just you go guy by guy. That's how I did it. Okay. I'm glad you remember that. I'd forgotten that. It's great. It's amazing. Like when he told me that. Because somebody told him that. I was like, how do, I was really mad that I didn't come up with that. that was and like, I was really mad that I didn't come up with it, and the blow told me something cool that I didn't know, that was statistically my, speaking. That was me. I was no, somebody... Sense. I thought somebody told, like, Shannon, who then told Blow. No, I remember working on that. Well, I mean... I don't think I was I just checking. You... Well, I mean, if you want to take credit for it, Gary, I'll give you credit. I do want to take credit for it. I remember working on it. Maybe I didn't. 
I don't know. It's hard to say these days. I understand. I understand. Well, Gary. I think we should end the podcast. 30 minutes ago? We could split it into two and have part two. Part one and two. This is fun. You should just, like, you should just, you know what you should do? You should just cut it, like, roughly in the middle. Uh-huh. And just voice over and say, if you'd like to stop now. <laughs> It's downhill from here. Like you figure out where that is, you know. I like and just give people, just let people know. Yeah, like three, three and a half minutes in. Yeah, like that. After the whole rebranding and email if you address, continue, you know. I don't know why you would, but if you want yeah. to, there's more. Yeah. So, you know, up to you, up to you, Gary. Your podcast. All right. Well, All right, Gary. We'll do this again, and next right, time we'll dreams. ask questions. I have a ton of questions. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.